Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion, unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No. These are the other stories. <laughs> we have a brand new website. It's full of links and texts and images if you're into that kind of thing. Or if you just want to check out our other podcasts like Horror Hangout and Miscreation or our line of books or comics, then you can do all that at hawkandcleaver.com. There's also a link to our new online shop where you can kick yourself out with the latest The Other Story t-shirt, which will make you the coolest kid in school. Um, actually, it won't make you the coolest kid in school. It will make you better than that. It will make you the kind of cool kid who isn't the coolest kid in school, but is secretly coolest kid in school the one who listens to horror podcasts and does whatever the hell they want and goes to bed after 11 p.m yeah you know what kind of kid i mean be that kid and uh buy a t-shirt today's episode is the wolf is loose written by paul stevenson and narrated by ian McEwen. Footsteps falling as light as possible on two hundred-year-old floorboards, Ed crept past the door to Mr. Hunt's office. Careful not to tread, even in the sepia light creeping out from under the doorframe, lest his movement catch the eye and raise the ire of the teacher who'd been his nemesis for five long years. A shiver went down his spine, an involuntary spasm, which passed as he moved into the dark corridor beyond. 
This was his last term at the boarding school that had been home since a tender seven years of age. After this term, he'd go home for a few months and head straight to another one, where he'd stay until his A-levels. Then, university. Job. Wife. Tax avoidance. Death. A route as old as time. As usual, he couldn't sleep. Never could. This Victorian building was too full of shadows and sounds to let someone like Ed find rest on a hard mattress and a thin pillow. One creak, and he was up for the night. One half-heard whisper in the dark as he fell to sleep, and he'd snap back to fearful wakefulness. Lights Out was hours earlier, and he'd spent those hours listening to the seven other boys in his dorm wrestle, belch, and fart their way towards unconsciousness. He'd put one headphone in and listened to mindless talk radio for an hour, but found himself getting more confused and angry than tired. So, he took himself for a walk. The stakes were pretty high. If caught, the potential punishments ranged from being forced to spend the night with his nose and toes pressed against a crumbling wall to being introduced to the back of Hunt's slipper. Tonight, his legs took him toward the first-year dorms. Some nights, they took him to the chapel. On one occasion, they'd taken him past the matron's station toward the girls' dorms before he'd come to his senses. The school lay out like a cross, with dorms ascending in year groups from the foot to the head, staff rooms spreading out across the arms. That was the first floor, then below them, the school itself. Neither particularly happy places for Ed, who'd been in trouble as much during daylight hours as insomnia had gotten him into the dark. Like every building of its age, the school brimmed with ghost stories, and no matter how much Ed told himself he didn't believe them, they had a way of seeping into his thoughts as he lay down and saw shadows pass overhead or heard floorboards creak in rooms where nobody moved. The only thing to do, Ed found, was to walk. Except now... Moving past the first dorm he'd ever laid his head down in, a sound brought him to a stop. He froze, breath catching in his throat. Voices, hushed, urgent, whispered. The sound of terrified children. Every sense heightened as he strained for the source. For one terrifying moment, it seemed they were behind him, that if he turned around, a corridor full of blank-eyed children would greet him. Heart sinking like a stone into his stomach, he steeled himself to turn. The dorm. The voices came from inside the dorm. Taking a step back along the corridor, he pressed an ear against the door, 
Feeling the relief flood over his skin at the realization, it was first-year boys, no doubt sitting in a circle in the center of the room, thin duvets wrapped around them, talking to ward away the fears creeping in as they realized what their life now was. Could he have ever been that young? Babies, almost, crying when they fell to the ground, screaming with unrestrained joy when allowed to play, not yet dimmed by the reality of life in these grounds. Adjusting his feet, he placed his palms on the door and leaned in, trying to hear what the boys were saying. Eyes like burning coals, the voice said to murmurs and gasps from the others. Its fangs dripping with saliva, foaming and speckled with red. Blood from its last victim. Ed smiled. Ghost stories. Little kids telling ghost stories. Ed loved a good ghost story. Strange for one so easily scared. Where was it? Another voice asked, full of wonder and horror. At the top of the steps leading down to the gym. You saw him? I saw his eyes. It was enough. One of the sixes told me the rest. You're lying. I'm not. You go and look for yourself. You'll see. Ed stepped back from the door the strongest memory taking hold. Five years ago, he'd been in the same dorm, young and scared. They'd sat around all night talking then, too. One night, he'd gone to the toilet just along the corridor. Those bathrooms had a wide-open window. As he went... He'd sworn he'd seen two red eyes staring back at him from across the path at the top of the stairs. Gave him enough of a shock, he'd splashed his slippers with piss. More scared than he'd ever been before, he'd looked out at the steps, mind already filling the blanks in. A monster. Its slavering jaws able to reach across the void to take Ed's throat and saw an old grey box, two red lights set into it above a sign marking it as an electrical risk. A grey box he walked past every day on the way to P.E. without ever noticing the blinking red lights. Half terrified, half relieved, he let out a little bark of laughter right there in the empty bathroom the sound of it reverberating off the cold tiles and startling him all over again. He'd felt silly, especially with slippers half-soaked with urine. How the hell could he explain that to his dorm mates? A germ of an idea blossomed in his mind. He had the start of a scary story right there. He would go back in and tell it. And he did embellishing those two little points of red light into a tale of beastly horror. Five years later, he was listening to the same story, 
told by kids he'd likely never spoken to. The groundskeeper was out by the bike track. He used to have a shed out there. Never mind that the bike track came the story itself, Ed thought. So, he's in the shed, putting his tools away, when his faithful dog turns around and starts snarling at him, his mouth all foaming up. Great. Now they're stealing from Stephen King. So the dog goes for him, kills him, rips his throat out. There's blood spraying everywhere, and the dog is just going mad, ripping at his throat again and again, until the groundskeeper is dead. Blimey, Ed thought. Kid's either got a great imagination, or he's a shoo-in for government in twenty years' time. But the dog's trapped, the kid continued, to audible gasps of horror and concern from the other boys. A dog might savage a groundskeeper, but it's still a doggy. So it starts to dig under the door, half mad with blood and rage. It keeps going, digging and digging and digging. By this point, Ed is leaning in, ear pressed so close to the door, he can hear the hushed tones the teller is using, can practically hear the rest of the audience leaning in too. Finally, paws not much more than stumps, eyes bloodshot, mouth full of dirt and groundskeeper's flesh. It breaks free, coming up from the earth, panting at the bottom of the steps. The teller stops for a moment, and Ed thinks there's a good chance he's going to fall through the door and terrify the living shit out of a bunch of first years. There, coming out of the gym, is a first year boy, sleepwalking. The dog lunges for him, desperate for more flesh. It digs his teeth into his arm, but the boy pulls away, awake now, the teeth not breaking the skin. The boy runs up the stairs, terrified to look back, thinking at any moment the hound will catch him, makes it back to the main hall and slams the door behind him. The sighs and groans of the other boys make it clear they very much want this scary story to be over so they can go to sleep and have terrifying nightmares about it. The teller pauses. They found the groundskeeper the next morning. The boy spent the rest of his school years in the hospital wing. Afraid to leave, always hearing the sound of padding paws behind him. What about the dog? Another boy asks, voice so small and fragile, it might as well be a bird's. Never found. They say, if you go to our bathroom at night, you can see it. Eyes like burning coals sat at the top of the stairs, waiting for the boy to return so he can finish what he started. Ed shivered. A hell of a story. He pulled away from the door, fighting the instinct to burst in and scare the boys half to death. Their screams would definitely bring old Hunt running. He moved away, the creak of rusting springs signaling the boys climbing back into bed. Safe to say, 
none of them would be attempting to use that bathroom tonight, no matter how desperate they were. The corridor was eerily silent, and the taste of the story left Ed's skin bristling and bumped. It wasn't the same story, but it had been so long ago he could barely remember it. Walking on, he found himself back in the bathroom, where one night he'd looked out of a window and seen two red lights. Moving to the window, he looked down. No lights. Weird. He was sure they were usually there. His breath fogged the glass. He reached up with a moth-eaten sleeve of grey pyjama, clearing the glass. He looked again at the top of the stairs. Two red lights on an old grey box. They didn't even look like eyes. Letting out a breath he didn't even know he was holding, he felt an urgent press on his bladder. Wow, he thought. Kid got me. He managed not to splash his slippers this time, but as he finished up, movement caught his eye. The red lights twinkled out and returned. Something moved out there. A hint of shadow through the gloom, casting long and indistinct dark on the driveway. He looked at the red again. It bore into him. If you'd have asked him, five minutes later, how he got out there from the bathroom, he wouldn't have been able to tell you. The first he knew about it was when the chill cut through overwashed pajama linen, biting against skin as it whistled through the holes. Walking toward the top of the steps, gingerly, the school loomed through the darkness behind him, towering over and cutting out the sparse light eking through cloud cover. Hello, he said, idiotically, cursing himself the moment he said it. Whatever moved back there stopped. A low sound, like stones rattling around in an old can. The two red lights were there still, static red bulbs blinking so fast as to be barely perceptible. They weren't the problem. The problem was yellow eyes glinting in the moonlight atop a mouth dripping not with blood, but with saliva running from lips pulled back over bared teeth. At once, it came back. The real reason he'd ran back that night with urine-soaked slippers, screaming and howling, that a wolf had chased him. There had been no casual saunter five years earlier. Only a boy running for his life. Him. He couldn't tell you why he'd gone out there that night, drawn by two red dots on a wall, but the memories, long since repressed, came flooding back, 
How could they not, as he stared once more into the face of pure, feral evil? None of the teachers had believed him, of course. Why would they? Crazed boy sleepwalks through his nightmare. Over the years, it had seemed the most sensible explanation, and his mind, his young, fragile mind, had squared it away as a half-remembered dream, a tale whispered to friends. Only at night had it truly affected him, kept him awake for reasons barely remembered, left him restless, wandering the halls. The realization of which didn't help him as he fell back onto cold concrete, watching the eyes come closer, the saliva dripping onto his slippers as paws wet with mud advanced towards him. And the teeth closed around his neck before he could find a scream. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. The Wolf is a Loose was written by Paul Stevenson, narrated by Ian McEwen, edited by Carl Hughes, and music by Mayu and Tom Robson, for extra sound effects provided by freesound.org and zapsplat.com. Paul Stevenson is an author and blogger, creator of the best-selling British horror series, Blood on the Motorway. He writes horror stories, science fiction, and tries to be funny about music on the internet. You can check out more of his stuff over at paulstevensonbooks.com. Did I mention that we have a brand new website? Did I mention it's full of links and text and images? Good. Well, you can also check out the rest of our stuff, like our other podcasts and our books and our comics, and it's all at hawkandcleaver.com. And don't forget, we have our new online shop, where you can buy a new The Other Stories t-shirt or horror hangout t-shirts, and they will make you not the coolest kid in school, like I said at the top of the episode, but even cooler than that. So, what are you waiting for? That's hawkandcleaver.com. Until next time.